<laughs> you want your five-star matches? <laughs> you want your 30-minute classics? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> Big meaty man slapping me. <laughs> What is good, ladies and gentlemen? This is another episode of the Slapping Me to Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Randall Beatley, also known as we 2 deep 413 That's my Twitter and my uh, TikTok uh, username. Again, that's we 2 deep 413 W-E-T-O-O-D-E-E-P-413. Excuse me. Let's uh, dive into this episode that we got for you. Um, there's a lot to cover. Um, so the first thing is, is if you haven't noticed yet, um, if you haven't noticed yet, there's a new cover art for the podcast. I have decided to um, change the... Uh, the, the cover of it, I wasn't a big fan of the other one. It was hard to make merch that fit that. And that's where I'm headed uh, into is, is creating um, merch for it. I'm still setting it up to, 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 to get it to happen. Um, and when that does happen, I, I will let everyone know. Um, and uh, so we do have new cover art. Um it's changed a couple times over the last couple days as I've been working on it. The one that we have now uh, is the one that I like the most. Um, so there's there's that. Um, let's see. I'm pulling up my notes here. I got this planned out for real, and it's taking forever to, to load here. So... Let's move into the actual stuff. So we got a couple things that I want to talk about before I get into the the meat of the show, which the Discord, and I talk about it a lot, it is a legitimate community that, that, that I thoroughly enjoy being a part of, and they they ask so many good questions and, and topics that they, they ask me as well as Notorious Nerdy D from the Nerdy D Show and the Casual wrestling community show um they ask so many good questions of us that i don't really have to think of things to talk about i just wait for them to ask questions and i say you know what mark this down for wednesday or mark this down for saturday and we put together you know uh, a script from or a, a sort of overview of what we're going to talk about but this what we're going to talk about we've got a couple things before that the first thing is a continuation from last week, or the last episode on Wednesday. Um, I, 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 we were going a bit long there, and I didn't sort of finish my my thoughts on the Bloodline story. 
Um, at least to my memory, I don't think I ever said this point. If I did, I'm fine uh, readdressing it. Their story, there's a reason why they didn't make Cody Rhodes champion, right? And I've been trying to explain this to the the Cody Rhodes fans and the and let's just be honest, the AEW fans who watch WWE who assume that WWE has to give the fans what they want, when they want, at the time that they want it. There's a reason why Cody Rhodes did not become champion at WrestleMania. It's because the end of this story is so much bigger than Cody Rhodes getting the belt. We could sit here, and, and my argument for it was, that well, they have to make Cody earn his, his way back to the top, but you also have to sit and, and, and think there's a better ending to the story than Cody Rhodes being the one to beat, to beat Roman Reigns. There's a better ending. That better ending is the bigger of the baby faces, which is Jey Uso. The, the, the turn on Roman and on Solo that Jey Uso did uh, last Friday... That turn creates a bigger opportunity for a bigger pop. When Jey Uso gets it, you have the bigger moment in Jey Uso becoming main event status than Cody Rhodes just sort of being gifted a title for showing up. Um, and so this story for the last three years, has all I've always assumed... That if they were going to go this route, Jey Uso would be the one to replace Roman Reigns. Now, I have made tons of episodes trying to predict the end of the bloodline. That has, that has consumed the last year, essentially. I mean, I, I'm coming up on a year of making podcasts in like two weeks. We're about 50 weeks into this. Um... Right, and and we're approaching a year of 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 this show, um. But even before then, just talking to friends, uh, and and on the internet, my assumption was always that either Jimmy or Jay was going to be the one to beat Roman Reigns. You know, I've done so much predicting about okay, it's going to be Sammy, it's going to be Cody. It's going like, even a year ago before this show started on TikTok, I said the best way for Roman to lose it would be for for Cody Rhodes to win Money in the Bank or to to to, to win the Royal Rumble after his injury, and and then that's how you do it. But that would have been fine had the Sami Zayn angle not come out of this. But even still. Having Jey Uso do it is such a bigger moment than having anybody else in WWE be the one to beat Roman Reigns. It's the bigger moment, and that's what they're going for. So there is a reason, right? And, and my issue with these AEW fans that watch WWE and have the sort of assumption that we have that WWE has to book in the way AEW does, which is instant gratification for the fans, 
That's insane. You're telling stories. You can't just give the fans what they want when they want it when you're telling stories. You, you, you tell some pretty fucking shitty stories when you do that. Um, so, oh, it should have been Cody. Oh, it should have been Sammy. No, 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 guess what? We're going to get the better ending, and it's going to be Jay fucking Uso. And he's going to win the world title, the undisputed championship, and he's going to be on top, and we're going to have a main eventer in Jay Uso. This storyline has been one of the only storylines that I can think of in the time that I've ever watched or paid attention to wrestling that has benefited every single person involved in this story. Sammy over, Jay over, Jimmy over, Solo over, elevated, every single one of them elevated from the status where they were coming into the story. I would say the one that was least benefited is Jimmy. But in a way, Jimmy still is elevated in a way that he was prior to being in the storyline. But you make a legitimate challenger and, and, and legitimate babyface out of Jay. You make Solo Sokoa this monstrous heel. You, you get Sammy over. Now, his role in the story is over. And to me, he's just be, been dry ever since then. But while he was in, in a part of the story, he was on the top of the damn world. Within a year, he went from jackass to, to uh, winning the tag team champions with an opportunity at the world championship the month or two prior at the pay-per-view, the premier live event prior to WrestleMania, getting that opportunity. Within a year, you went from bottom of the card comedy gimmick to potential world champion. And so you can't tell me that Roman Reigns is sort of like selfish and, and only cares about himself. No, he's literally gotten so many people over that he didn't have to get over. So this is the reason why Cody did not win the title and why Sammy did not win the title because there's a bigger ending to it. And if people would just have patience, if people would just wait just a little bit longer and wait for the more gratifying response and, and, and ending to the story rather than wanting that instant gratification, if you would just wait just a little bit longer and in the essence of the story, a year is just a little bit. If you would just wait till WrestleMania 40, you wait just a little bit longer. You get Jey Uso versus Roman Reigns. And you have Roman Reigns lose, potentially with a, a solo turn. And everyone gets behind the new tribal chief, Jey Uso. Right? I'm, I'm done trying to predict where this story goes because every time I try to predict it, it goes in the complete opposite fucking direction. And so I'm, I'm done trying to predict it. I'm just here to sit back and watch greatness happen. 
All right, so there's that first point. The second point that I want to bring up before I get into these the questions from Discord is it appears, and I titled this in my notes, can the boys just get along? Can the boys just grow up? The CM Punk saga, and I don't really want to place the blame on CM Punk here, the elite saga of just being so fucking dramatic continues again. So it appears that the and CM Punk's promo last Saturday, he called the uh, the the young bucks counterfeit. He called them a bunch of counterfeit bucks, which was a great fucking line, by the way. That was a great line. Like that whole promo was on fire. That whole promo was was fucking wonderful. It's the old CM Punk. But apparently it wasn't approved by Tony Khan and it didn't get run through the EVPs. And so the Young Bucks and the Elite were a little bit upset at it. And then CM Punk shows up Wednesday and was going to be on Dynamite in Chicago. And and so the Bucks and the Elite and all of them that's involved with this throw a little hissy fit and, and act like children and and leave the arena in a bad mood... Because CM Punk shows up. And I think it's fucking childish. I, I, I'm i not going to sit here and say that CM Punk is a saint. He is far from it. He has his problems. Absolutely. But you're the fucking EVP of the... And I've said this so many times when it comes to Kenny Omega, and Nick, and Matt Jackson. You're the EVPs of the second largest wrestling company in the world. You're a million, potentially billion dollar company. And you're sitting here throwing a tantrum because the person who draws ratings shows up on the show, you're on and you don't like to play with him? I'm sorry, at some point you have to be a fucking adult and just come to work and do your fucking job. There have been jobs where I was at where I didn't like some of the people I worked with. But guess what? It was my job to come to work and do the job I was, I'm paid to do. And any differences, any problems, any beef that I had with anyone that I worked with, guess what? That was outside of the doors of my company that I worked for. Now, I'm not even the EVP. I wasn't in, I wasn't in a position of upper management. You're in a position of upper management, elite. And you're going to sit here and cry like a bunch of bitches? Because someone said some mean words? They hurt your feelings. Are you that fucking fragile? It's fucking insane to me. Can, can, can they just grow up just a little bit? And Dax Harwood from, uh, from FTR comes out. He posts a tweet saying, I know I'm going to get heat for this. Um, but if, 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 you ha- if, if instead of leaving in a bad mood because a person you don't like shows up, rather than running to, 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 to the reporters... And he calls out Dave Meltzer. Rather than running to Dave, why don't you come to the person and speak to them face-to-face? That's how we used to do it in the old days. Why don't you come in front of CM Punk and say, hey, I don't like that you're here. Let's talk out our differences. 
But they don't want to be held responsible for the fact that they played a part in that whole fiasco in the first place. It's just fucking insane to me. CM Punk, granted, it is a Chicago crowd, so they were going to show up probably no matter what. But CM Punk sold out, uh, what was it, United Center? I don't know if it was 100% sold out. Um, But he drew like 816,000 people to watch um, on a Saturday night. I need you to understand that the Saturday night, um, excuse me, um, I'm pulling up Dynamite because Dynamite is essentially the elite show. Um, so I want to pull up Wednesday night's TV ratings from this past week, this past Wednesday, um, and pull up. Good old AEW. Okay, so AEW draws 902,000 people. You have CM Punk show up. I need y'all to understand, this is one of the highest rated shows that you've had. In a long time. This is as close to a million as you've had in a long time. CM Punk is making you money. He's bringing audience to you. He's letting he, he should be on dynamite every single week. That's your number one show. He would get you over a million every single week. But no, your ego is just so fucking big. That you're, you're, you're afraid of CM Punk being more over than you are. So you, you kick him to Saturdays. And guess what? I think eventually, if, if things continue the way Collision went on Saturday, if it continues that momentum, I think they might beat Dynamite in the ratings at some point. People want to watch CM Punk. People want to watch what you gave them. Now, I saw bits and pieces of Collision, and I've heard reviews of it, and it's it sounds like it's a completely different product than what they're putting on Wednesdays. It's more dre- um, drawn to the more traditional entertainment aspect of professional wrestling. And if that's the case, that's the AEW I will watch. It's not about the flips and the and all of that. It's 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 right and from what I've what I'm hearing, which is fantastic. And guess what? It's going uh, hopefully if it continues with, with where it doesn't just drop off in the ratings. I think it could outdo Dynamite. I I think it, I think it will. Because people want to watch CM Punk. People want to watch CM Punk. That's just plain and fucking simple. So at some point you have to grow up and be a fucking adult. Put on your big boy pants and stop bitching because CM Punk says a promo. You know how you do this in wrestling? You you go out and you, you go to the middle of the ring and you cut a promo back. And if Tony Khan had a set of fucking balls on him, he would, he would create the biggest match of all time of AEW history with the Elite versus Punk and FTR 
at Wembley Stadium, you would sell the fucking you would sell every single seat in that fucking arena. I will guarantee you, if you made the Elite versus Punk and FTR your main event of Wembley, that that entire arena would be full. Any seat that was allowed to be sold there that wasn't blocked by hard cam or by the by the stage itself would be fucking full if CM Punk and FTR versus the Elite was the main event. That's the match that should be the main event. That's the match, right? Or even if it's the Bucks, Omega, and um, a Hangman, and then it's FTR, Punk, and they, they add a, a, a fourth member. Ricky Starks, someone like a Ricky Starks. But just seeing Punk versus the Elite, no matter who Punk's t- tag team is, that would draw fucking money for Wembley. But I don't think Tony Khan has a set of balls in him to tell his EVPs, I'm the fucking president, I'm the CEO, you guys shut your fucking mouth, you grow up, you be an adult. And you do what I fucking tell you to do because you work for me. Like, if I was Tony Khan and I had to deal with this bullshit, I'm not releasing CM Punk. I'm, I'm, I don't care how much pull the Jacksons have and that Kenny Omega has. I don't care how over they are in the independent scene. They would be running the independent scene if I was the, the, the CEO of AEW. I wouldn't put up with that bullshit. You either do what I tell you to do because I'm your boss or you can fucking see the door. Especially if I had the amount of money Tony Khan had where I could just buy out your fucking contract and it wouldn't fucking matter. I wouldn't be worried about you going to WWE either because you know what I, what I know is? You're not going to be main event talent. You just won't. The WWE fans wouldn't care about you. They already have... Their version of the Young Bucks. And, 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 and Kenny Omega is just another dude at WWE. So if I was Tony Khan, I have the money to buy out your contract. I would fucking show you the door in a heartbeat. It would not hurt my feelings. I could find new EVPs. It would not hurt my feelings at all if I was Tony Khan. And, and Tony Khan really just needs to grow a pair of fucking testicles and tell Matt and Nick Jackson, Kenny Omega, and Hangman Page, if you guys don't want to do your fucking job and make this company money because that's what you're hired to do, goodbye. Like, it's, it would not be a fuck. It, it would literally... I would literally pull all four of them in my office... T- tell them those words. Either you ch- you play ball or you can go home. And then I would ask the question, do you want to participate in the biggest main event of our company's existence with the Elite versus CM Punk, FTR, and someone like Ricky Starks? And if the answer from any single one of them is no, that person is fired. There's no if and do you want to play ball or not? Because you know what that would do? First off, 
that would leave a fucking message to the rest of the locker room. Because you know what the message is right now? Tony's fucking soft. We can walk all over Tony. You already see that with MJF. Motherfucker pretended to leave. Got the pay. Got the bigger payday. Got to become champion. And he walked all over Tony Khan. And now he's going to let the EVPs... The message being sent right now... It's Tony Khan soft. Walk all over him. He'll, he'll, if you threaten to leave, he'll give you what you want. You don't have to do what he says. Do what you want to do. You don't have to play ball. Just cry and complain. And he'll send the people you don't like to a different show. He'll create a whole new show because the young bucks are scared to work with fucking CM Punk. Insane to me. It's fucking insane to me. All right, let's get into. I got three different uh, topic suggestions from the Discord. So uh, I wrote down the actual usernames this time so that I can give credit to who asked. These are some great questions, uh, topics, anyway. So, uh, username BMaster84, his question is. Sell me on why I should believe that having main event talent on NXT is a good thing. The way I see it, Baron Corbin is taking TV time away from someone that could be exposed to the to the fans or to the audience. Um, and so I have a general answer because you asked uh, asked about why main event talent, and so I have a general answer to that. But then you mentioned Baron Corbin's story itself. Um, so I'll, I'll have a specific answer, and we'll, we'll, we'll cover that first. Why have Baron Corbin on NXT in this storyline? So my question, or, or, or I have a question in response. My response is, is a question. Who else do you put there on NXT right now that would generate the same sort of buzz um, on NXT? Because let's just be honest. There's no one in the world a title picture right now that is worthy of a title opportunity. Waller's been caught up. Carmelo's champion. Braun is about to be caught up. He doesn't need another title opportunity. He already had it. Dijak's not going to be champion. Dragunov's already got something else going on. and More than likely, he's about to get caught up. Cameron Grimes is caught up. You, right now, the main event scene in NXT is super, super light. And it's in what I call rebuild mode. They're rebuilding. They have to... They're building new stars to be the future of the brand. But it's also, like I've been saying... Um. Triple H is trying to, to, to use NXT as a third brand. Not as developmental, but as a third main roster brand. And in order to do that, you can use your free agents. It's not Baron Corbin's super easy. He's a free agent. There's a story behind it. He's a free agent. He could show up wherever he wants to. And so to show up at NXT... First off, it utilizes Baron Corbin. 
And second, there's just no one on the NXT roster at the moment who would fit the the, the main event picture of the of the brand. It, it lifts it lifts Carmelo Hayes up a level because he's fighting Baron Corbin, former Intercontinental, former U.S. champion, former Money in the Bank holder, right? He used to be a big deal. And so it lifts, it elevates Carmelo Hayes. So in a more general uh, sense, let's use someone like Seth Rollins. What benefit does it have having Seth Rollins in the main event versus Braun Breaker? Well, it elevates Braun Breaker to main event status. Braun Breaker is now seen to the, the people who viewed NXT... Um, and that's something I actually meant to look up uh, as well, um, is did this announcement of all these people, Seth Rollins being announced, um, um, did that help the ratings at all? So we're going to go and take a look at that as well. Let's see. Tuesday. Uh, I should have looked this up earlier, um, to be honest. Can I just see the damn ratings? You know, some of these fucking websites get on my nerves. There we go. Um, Let me continue my point, though, while I'm looking up these ratings. That way you're not sitting here wondering what the fuck I'm doing. Uh, the point that I'm trying to make is... Did it benefit NXT to have Seth Rollins? Yes. Because it, it, it elevates Braun Breaker to the main roster crowd. It elevates him to immediate contender against Seth Rollins. He took Seth Rollins to the limit. But it also benefits that title... Because it proves that Seth Rollins is the workhorse that that is being booked to be. So NXT, oh yeah, without a fucking doubt, Seth Rollins. So this is the this is a a show that traditionally averages like six fifty to to six seventy five, and that's thousands. So six hundred fifty to six hundred seventy five thousand people average. On this past Tuesday, with Seth Rollins being announced, they had 773,000 people tuned into the show. So without a doubt, it benefits the ratings. Um, and that's also part of the, uh, of the problem. That's also part of, of, the, of the, the, the equation... It benefits NXT's ratings. It gets more exposure to the new talent. Um, and so, I don't know what, what more I need to do to, to sort of prove to you that it's, it's not the end of the line. It's not the end of the world to have Baron Corbin here because it is in a rebuild mode for the world title picture. 
and it it's within the, the parameter set of Baron Corbin's a free agent. Now, it would have been a little bit different if, you know, they sent someone like Cameron Grimes who got drafted to SmackDown and then he would come to NXT. Now I can understand what your issue is. But a free agent coming to NXT, because that's what free agents do, that makes that makes total sense to me. Um, and so to uh, username Bmaster84, if you have any more, you know, if you have an argument against it, I would love the conversation in the Discord um, of, of your thought on that. Like, like, why do you think it's stealing time? And I want to just address that. You're not guaranteed TV time just because you're signed a contract. I'm tired, and it's it's not. I'm not trying to be hateful towards you. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just tired of this idea that because you're signed to the roster that you're automatically guaranteed TV time. You have to earn TV time. TV time is not just given to someone because they're on the roster. Right? So if there's someone on NXT that would that isn't on TV, it just means that they haven't earned TV time. And it doesn't matter how athletic, it doesn't matter how many years you've put in. If there's a better story to tell, that is what should be on TV. Because in the end, that is the business that, that, you're, that you work for. It's the entertainment industry. So you're not guaranteed TV time. So no one steals TV time. If you're put on TV for a reason, you're there to tell a story. And if Baron Corbin fits NXT better, then I'm trying to think of anyone on NXT who who could be in this opportunity. The only person I could see is Trick, but Trick is with Melo, right? Now, now I eventually see Trick turning on Melo and he becoming the champion. But that's the only person I can think of right now. Other than maybe Joe Gacy, but Joe Gacy hasn't won a fucking match in God knows how long. And so to put Joe Gacy just randomly in a title match would make no fucking sense. Whereas Corbin can come in, say I'm a free agent, I've come for gold here in NXT. That makes more sense than just putting uh, Joe Gacy who can't win a match in NXT against tag teams and is continuously losing. Right? It make, that makes more sense. Right. All right. So the next topic is from a username Goss. I'm gonna say Gossamer twenty one. I think is how it's pronounced. Um, and he basically it's a five point question. Now we've already covered points one, two, and three on the last episode. It's about factions again. So point one is who's your favorite all time faction. Point two is who's been the most influential WWE faction. And then point three is the top five factions of all time. We're going to go over these three points again. Um, and then we'll answer the back half of his question, which we haven't addressed yet. So my favorite uh, my favorite faction of all time is the Bloodline. Um, but it's also because if you look... W- you know, while I was watching wrestling since 2014, there hasn't been very many factions that were any good. And then early in my childhood, you had Evolution. I was born in 97, so like towards the end of... I mean, I guess you can count DX because they've come back 14 different times. 
but it was like evolution or it would be the bloodline. And so for me, it's the bloodline. The bloodline, and, and then who's the most influential? Now, it depends on how you define, definitions mean something. What do you mean by, what do you mean by influential? Do you mean by mass marketability? Um, or do you mean, so I would take influential as who has influenced the story of WWE the most. And, and again, I would have to go the bloodline there. I think they may be the biggest influential faction in WWE history. DX can sell merch, and they had some great stories. And we'll talk about DX here in a minute, because um, I got a hot take that I'm about to say. Um, but I think in terms of influential, in, ter- in terms of... Who has influenced the story that they were in the most and has changed the face of WWE the most in their run? I think it has to be the bloodline. I don't think much... Like, let's just assume DX in its prime didn't happen in the Attitude Era. Does much change in the Attitude Era? You could argue that maybe something does. But I don't think anything really changes. You just put something else in that spot that 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 right. And we'll talk about why I think DX got got so over here in a minute. But if you remove the last three years of WWE bloodline booking, the product is a hundred and ten percent different. Sami Zayn isn't world isn't tag champion. He doesn't have a world title opportunity. He's still doing God knows what on the bottom of the card. Jay and Jimmy Uso, they're not main eventing. They're struggling to get on WrestleMania. Solo wasn't in the company when he when when the bloodline started. But let's just assume the bloodline never started. Does Solo get a spot on the on the main roster as quickly as he does? In a prominent role. Like, what happens without the bloodline? I think it's a bigger influence on the product for the bloodline than it was for DX. All right, so top five factions of all time. Now, I stated on Wednesday's episode when we were talking about factions that I'm not the biggest fan of, of doing this because it's a, this is super objective, um, and, and that's the point. It's, it's part, the point of the question is to have conversation. So I will give my top five factions. We'll start from one. We'll, we'll work our way down. Um, now, I stated on Wednesday, three had to be the bloodline. And then one or two, we can argue between the four horsemen and, and NWO. And so... I have to make an, a, 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 a final list. And so I, I sat here and thought about it. And the four horsemen are the best in the, the best faction of all time. The best faction of all time is the four horsemen. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I don't think there's any arguing that the four horsemen is the best. When you actually think about what they accomplished in 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 the Jim Crockett promotions in the 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 Carolinas right they 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 still have people you know 
Arn Anderson is loved here. Ric Flair is loved here. Tully Blanchard is loved here. Um, it, it's the Anderson name. Um, the, the Anderson family in kayfabe, like, just spreads throughout Carolina wrestling. There's a, there's a guy here, I, um, God, I can't think of his, his name. He's, he does a local promotion. His, his last name's Anderson in kayfabe. And the idea is he's sort of related to the Anderson family in kayfabe. Can't think of his first name right now. Um, but, like, it's in this area. Maybe it's just I'm biased because I live in Crockett country. I live in f- Four Horsemen country. But they're the best faction of all time. NWO, number two. NWO is number two of all time. Now, notice, you have Crockett at number one. You have WCW at number two. Okay, number three is the bloodline. There's your first WWE faction. All right, number four for me is Evolution. I think Evolution is Triple H's best faction run. I'll be completely honest. And then, so number five, that's tough. I have, I have three people, candidates for the fifth option. You have DX. DX is an option. Do I put DX at five? I have the Von Eriks, and I have the Fabulous Freebirds. And, and if I'm being completely honest, I put the Freebirds here. I think the Freebirds deserve the credit that they are due. Now, let me, let me just continue ranking six and seven. I put the Von Eriks at six. What the, what the Freebirds and the Von Erichs did in Texas wrestling is super important. And I, and I like to rank best by the importance to the industry. And I just want to be completely honest. So let's talk about DX for a minute. Why was DX over? I, I, this goes back to a, a few episodes ago when I was talking about the Attitude Era. And the, I don't believe when you look back in hindsight that the Attitude Era was any better than any other era in, in WWE history. It has the most nostalgia because of the fans watching grew up in that era and you always cheer what you, what you grow up and watch. But it also had the ability to, to be more edgy. I think people love the Attitude Era so much not because it was good, but because it crossed the cultural boundaries. It, it, it crossed an area in, 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 their, in their life where most people wouldn't cross. They wouldn't cuss their boss out and stomp them, but they wanted to. And, and WWE, through the Attitude Era and through Stone Cold, allowed them to do that. And so it was countercultural. It was rebellious, right? And so if you take that away, though, was there anything influential? Was there anything that could not have been done some other way? And so I just don't think the Attitude Era, when you look back in hindsight, was as good as everyone remembers 
they just appreciate it because of the nostalgia of that time period. It was raunchy. But it wasn't good television. And DX to me... DX to me was just a comedy and a comedy thing. And I get it, the New Age Outlaws were a part of it. But whenever I think of DX, I don't think of X-Pac and Road Dog. I just don't. I don't think of Billy Gunn and Road Dog and X-Pac. I think of Triple H and Shawn Michaels. And so I don't necessarily consider now granted they are a faction because the New Age Outlaws were a part of it, uh X-Pac was a part of it. So you can't take that part away. But outside of the comedy and the raunchiness, if you take that away, is it is it good? Or, or do we only like it because it crossed the barriers that culture set for us? So this continues part four of his question. Who, who's more over in their prime, DX or, or the bloodline? And, and I don't think it's fair to, criti- to to compare these. Because DX had the ability to be raunchy. But it was also comedy. DX was a comedy gimmick. The bloodline is like serious mafia. It's like watching... It's like watching an Adam Sandler movie and then compare... Let's see, Billy Madison. It's like watching Billy Madison and then comparing it to The Godfather. And asking what movie is better. You can talk about it. But it's not fair to compare them. Because they're two completely separate genres. With two completely separate uh, uh, missions behind it. DX is comedy. Uh, The Bloodline is like three years of story. Just straight storyline. It's like watching Days of Our Lives. I remember growing up. My gran- uh, when I lived in Vir- Virginia, my grandma would w- would live with us. And there were two shows I remember during the summer when I was out of school that she would watch every single morning while mom and dad were at work. Price is Right and Days of Our Lives. Every single morning, she would watch it. And, and I would sit there and watch Days of Our Lives with her as like a five or six year old. I have no idea what the fuck was going on. But the story for Days of Our Lives has literally continued for like 30 years. Now, I don't know the entire plot of it, and I would assume things may have changed. But over the last 30 years, Days in Our Lives has essentially continued the same story. And now, so compare that to Billy Madison. You just can't compare it. They're two separate things. With that being said, I still think the bloodline is more over. When you when you judge them equally, if you if you take out the raunchy jokes that would get them over, I still think the like like the bloodline's just better to me because I care about storyline and and what story did DX tell us? You didn't. They, there wasn't a continuous storyline through the run of the team. This is why I love the Bloodline so much. But DX is great. And now here's my other question: When it comes to DX, if we just stopped remembering DX, if they, if I don't know if you've ever gone to a live WWE event, 
but during commercial breaks they do fan cams and they have they have the Undertaker cam, they have uh, the sign cam and they have the DX cam. If they just stopped doing the DX cam and stopped mentioning DX and stopped remembering every f- five or ten years and to do the reunion shows, if they stopped doing all of that, in five to ten years, would any of the new generation watching remember DX? In the same way, in 20 years, are we going to remember the bloodline? I don't think it's fair to, to say which one's better until we're 20 years from now and we could see the, the, the effect of the bloodline. You can't really judge it in, in its fullness because it's still going. I just, I, I just, I don't understand any, I, I want to know an argument, there is an argument for DX over the bloodline. I just don't think we can compare it, and like, like, sure, you can have Roman versus Triple H in their prime. You can have Sean versus Solo in their prime. You can have the New Age Outlaws versus the Usos in their prime. I just, I, I, I still think the bloodline goes over. I just, I just think from it, from it, first off, from an athletic standpoint, the Usos are the, the best tag team of all fucking time in any promotion. The best tag team to ever get in a, a ring. I'm not going to say Solo's better than Sean, but I, I, I think... Roman Reigns is better than Triple H has ever been. I I, I, comp- I completely stand behind that. So outside of Shawn Michaels potentially beating Solo Sokoa, the, the Bloodline win. So it's two out of three Bloodline win. Um, and then the last question is like, what other historical factions would you like to see the Bloodline face? Honestly, I... I get the question, and it's it's a good discussion point. I don't really want to see anyone from the past face the bloodline. I guess the Von Eriks would be cool. The Freebirds would be cool. The Horsemen would be cool. Maybe Evolution. I just... I don't know who else would... would I, I just think the bloodline as a faction stands out above above any other faction maybe outside of NWO and the Horsemen those are the only two I can think would outshine them I, I just it's just hard to compare factions because in the 70s and 80s it was all about your ring work and your promo ability and it wasn't necessarily about the story you told you weren't telling novellas in the ring like you're not telling a story you're not being the godfather in the ring like the bloodline is. And, and and that to me is what sets the bloodline apart. Let's move on to the last uh, thing that was brought up in Discord. It, this is by DJ Wavy D, um, who's a, a supporter of us here. We appreciate him. He asked a longer post that, that I sort of summarized for the sake of me asking the question. And essentially it's, do you think, do I think, that AEW, can they pull off edgier storylines that WWE did during the Attitude and Ruthless Aggression eras? 
Um, examples that he gave were like Billy and Chuck in the wedding, uh, Don Marie and Tori Wilson's dad, etc. Right? And I mean, even think of like Val Venus was a porn star on TV. So again, I'm going to answer a question with the question. I do this a lot. It, it, this is how I have the conversation. The question I'll have is, and then I'll answer it with an actual answer. But do we really want to see this? Do we want to see these edgier storylines again? Is it something that that we're missing so bad that it is necessary for us to have? And I would say no. I don't think it's necessary for us to tell edgy countercultural storylines. If you just told believable stories like the bloodline is doing... Right, I hate to go back to them, but like it's the best story we've ever had in wrestling. And if you just tell compelling stories like this, you don't need to cross the boundaries. The culture's different, so I don't think anyone will ever attempt to do something like it. Um, and however, I do think AEW may try. I think a, I think. I think AEW would be the one willing to try. I don't think it would get over. And and, I, and at some point, you would have to ask yourself, is it even worth alienating the fan base who, who wouldn't want to see it? Um, I just, I just, I think AEW could potentially pull it off. I, my, my bigger concern is like, is it even necessary? Like, why, does anyone want to see it? And if we did it, like, what would the general response from the public be? I, I, I just, I just, I don't think it would be worth potentially offending potential viewers over, over watching, you know, television, right? And so, like, like, Billy and Chuck wouldn't be controversial in today's age. It just wouldn't. I think that could get over. I'm more talking, though, about, like, like, Tori Wilson... And Don Marie and, and, and that whole little story. I don't think they try that again. Um, I remember growing up as a kid watching that, though. And let me tell you something. Don Marie and Tori Wilson's backstage segment. We all know. If you watched it, we all know what I'm fucking talking about. The, gr- my, the greatest fucking segment of all time. To six-year-old me. Or I don't even remember what year that was that happened. I could have been like five or six. The greatest thing I had ever watched. Up, like, I still, every now and then, that just pops in my brain. Like, I got to watch this again. And it... Do I want to see it again? No. I just... I don't think it gets over the sort of sexual assault that that was. I just don't think that it gets over. It's a touchy subject to so many people and for a company like AEW who prides itself on being inclusive I think they go the Billy and Chuck route more than they do but I don't think they do the wedding I don't think they have gay men kiss on TV I just I, I don't think they they're will I don't think any company is willing to alienate the fan base and this goes back there's another question that was asked and and, and I said I wouldn't touch it but this is a this is another example I forgot who asked it, but he, he asked a similar question a few weeks ago. Um, do we think WWE would ever have a transgender character? 
And my question to him was, or my answer to him was, I don't want to touch this on the show. I'm going to touch it now, but I'll give the same response. My, my answer is no, I don't think they would be willing to alienate the fan base that they have. Um, I said, though, I think it could work. If WWE did it, they would have to do a lot better job than AEW has done with Nyla Rose and giving some other personality trait other than this person is trans. Because that's not that that's not going to get over at all in wrestling. It's just not going to get over on the mainstream level. If they would have booked Nyla Rose as just the dominant bitch that she is, the monster beast that she is, and, and Nyla Rose just gets on TV and destroys every person in the ring, and they didn't focus on her sexual identity and how she identifies in her sexual orientation, guess what? She's over. Because even the most inclusive company, people just don't want that pushed on them. And, and so I'll say it this way, and, and I, may be, I may be at a risk of offending people by saying this. I don't care what your sexual identity is. I don't care what your sexual orientation is. If you're a good person, I'll be a good person to you. I respect you as a human being. However, where I draw the line, and this is where I think WWE, this is, this is where I think the focus needs to be, is WWE is a product focused on kids. Their target audience is kids. And, and to me, I personally would not be a fan of a trans character who was openly trans that they made that the personality trait. I, I, I personally would not be a fan of that being marketed to a, a program for kids. Because my belief system is, and this is just what I believe, I'm not saying I'm right, this is just what I believe in, and and, and I think there is 50% of, of, of the country believes this way, if not more. Go be trans. Go be trans and be proud. Just don't market it to kids. You, you can't mess with the kids. There's a lot of people. I don't want to get political. I don't. There's a lot of people in this country who... They they get very protective of their kids. And we we see this in situations where they're they're pro they're LGBT allies, but the second their child's public school is marketing, you know, sex education for, for gay people or for trans or having like trans story hour or drag shows in the elementary schools, and it has happened that people who are even allies of the community sort of pull back and say we shouldn't be going to uh, get to marketing to the kids. This is my belief system. This is just how I believe. This is how, right? When a ch- and, and I believe in our school, like I remember in fifth grade, fourth grade, being taught sex ed. I don't even think that that's right. I don't think teaching straight people about straight sex in fourth grade is okay. Because my belief system is... 
is when a child is in a sexualized environment, whether it's a school, whether it's a concert, whether it's the library, whether it's a sporting event, whatever it is, when a child is placed in an environment that is sexualized, it is not entertainment, it is not education, at that point it crosses the line and it becomes grooming. Whether it's teaching straight sex, whether it's teaching gay sex, whether it's teaching the, the trans uh, identity, when you're teaching kids, it becomes grooming. Because none of them understand what they are being taught. So at that point, it becomes propaganda. I'm all fine with you marketing your drag shows to adults. Don't market it to kids. Don't put it in Blue's Clues. Blue's Clues should never try to convince a child to be gay. Your child's show should not be marketing the LGBT agenda. That is something that you figure out as you're growing. And a 10-year-old doesn't understand that. An 8-year-old doesn't understand that. And if that offends somebody, at some point I, I, I stop caring about feelings and care more about the factual information that we have. I'm all fine. If you want to be trans, go be it. Wait till after puberty Wait till you're an adult to where you can make a logical decision that, that you won't regret. And there are people who regret it. See, now, now I'm getting into things that where like, this is why it's a touchy subject. But I'm also not one that's willing to sit back and, and watch children be harmed. And so, personally, with WWE being a show aimed at kids, I don't think it's needed. I just personally don't think it's needed to have the edgier storylines. Whether it's Edge and Lita fucking in the middle of the ring. Whether it's Sonya Deville being a lesbian on, on TV. Whether it's Nyla Rose being promoted as trans. Or whatever it is, kids should not be promoted that. Because at some point it becomes propaganda and then eventually it crosses the line into grooming. And I, 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 I think that has to be left to the parent. And, and as a company, I would never place... If I ran a wrestling company, I would do everything possible in my ability to not make parents mad at me. Because if the parents get mad at me... And, and we see what happens with these protests with other companies. You see what happens with Bud Light. They were trying to do a good thing and partner... With, with Dylan Mulvaney, and their, their intentions were great. But when you have a large amount of people who, who use your product, who disagree with that ideology, you alienate your target market. And let's just be honest, I don't know if you've ever, if you don't live down south, you may not recognize it in the same way that I recognize it, but a lot of the wrestling fans down south at least are uber-conservative. And I don't mean conservative in terms of, like, like MAGA support Donald Trump. I mean, like, conservative values in terms of, like, we go to church every Sunday, we're traditional, uh, and, and we, don't, we, don't, we don't play around and we protect our kids type thing, right? 
Um, and there, a lot of them are anti-government. And so when, when you start getting the, the propaganda in your, in your programming, they protest. And these protests fucking work. Because let me tell you something. If they want to protest fucking Nike, they will not wear Nike the rest of their fucking life. If, right? Especially in an industry like, let's use Bud Light for an example. Right? They love drinking beer, but guess what? They weren't drinking Bud Light to begin with. So it's easy for them to protest it. They'll just go down the street to, 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 to the next bar over that isn't selling Bud Light and drink the, the, the beer that's not promoting what they disagree with. Right? And this is a touchy subject. I, I've always been this way, though, on the subject. Gay, straight, lesbian, whatever you identify as, you're respected as a human being because you're a human being. You have the respect, my respect. You treat me like a human with respect. Guess what? I'm going to treat you the same way you treat me. And that's for every person. The way you treat me is the way I'll treat you back. But at some point, it stops becoming... It stops becoming... Respectful... And it becomes propaganda. And it becomes grooming. And like I said, when a child is in a sexualized environment, it isn't education. It isn't entertainment. It's grooming. And so that, that's how I'll answer it. I don't think we'll see, WWE will, will, will fully commit to showing gay weddings. or even. I don't even think, like, I think they're fine with Sonya Deville painting the rainbow on her cheek. I think they're fine with that. But I don't think they'll show Sonya Deville making out with another woman on TV. I just don't think they'll do it. I don't think they'll show an openly trans person on TV. I just don't think they'll do it. This is the same company that won't let men fight women, which is accepted in the industry. I even accept that. Most women who are wrestlers train against men. As long as it's safe. Now, I don't want Braun Strowman fighting Alexa Bliss. That's not safe. But AJ Styles and Alexa Bliss, I think, could put on a decent fucking match. Because AJ Styles is safe. He's about her size. And it's not about... Like, like the difference is it's not about athletic ability. It's about timing and, and training in, in wrestling. <clears throat> so I think it could be done. I just don't think WWE will do it because of the, the, the fans that it would automatically alienate. And it's not worth alienating your fan base. It's just not worth it. We're going to get out of the touchy subjects before I dig myself too deep a fucking hole. Um, and we'll end this with just a little bit more housekeeping. The first is the slapping meat brackets. Um, uh, if you're already in the Discord, I've already explained it. For those who are not in the Discord who pay attention to this podcast and listen, first off, we appreciate you. Second, get your ass in the fucking Discord, man. We want to have the conversation with you. Um, and so, the slap and meet brackets. Um, if, you, if you're in the Discord and you haven't voted yet, the voting is up. It'll go from Friday uh, morning... Till Friday, uh, one week. So, well, 
It'll go Friday after SmackDown till Friday after SmackDown. So a week-long voting. We're going to do a 32-team bracket. We'll do the women first, then I'll do tag teams, then I'll do men of WWE women tag team men. And and it's a 32-person bracket, and we'll figure out who the commute. We'll, we'll do two brackets. We'll do my personal bracket, and then we'll do the community's bracket based on their voting. Um, and so we'll do two matchups a week. So this week's matchup, and the voting's already started on this, is matchup one is Charlotte Flair versus Dana Brooke. And matchup two is um, Rhea Ripley versus Cameron. If If you don't remember Cameron... Uh, she's from, you know, she used to tag team with Naomi. There's a picture to, to, in the discord to help you re- uh, recognize who she is, just in case you don't know who she is. Um, so with that, uh, that the only votes we'll take, I'm not going to take voting on, on disc, excuse me. I'm not going to take voting on. Spotify or, or any other you can't DM me your vote. You have to be in the Discord to uh to vote. So the way that you can join the Discord, if you haven't already, go to the Casual Community YouTube page run by Notorious Nerdy D. Subscribe. That's important to me. I want to help him as much as he's helped me. Subscribe to him. Um with that, in the links to his recent vid, just click on the click on videos on YouTube. Click the most recent. There's a link in there to join the Discord. Click the link, join the Discord, join the conversation. There's a channel called Slapping Meat Brackets. Click on it, vote. That it's that simple. What are the criteria that I'm using? Y'all don't have to use this criteria, but in my bracket, I have four categories: attractability. How, especially for the women. But guess what? For the men as well. Because girls are attracted to attractive men. So there's a reason, you know, that, that some men are pushed. Because, like, I think Riddle's only pushed because there are women who find them attractive. I don't know who or why. Um, but there, I'll be honest. I'm completely secure in my sexuality to say that there are some men like Ryan Reynolds, who were just straight up 10s out of 10s. Uh, now, I don't know. I can't give examples of, of wrestlers who are like that. But to a casual fan, attractiveness is, you know, I, I'll be honest. Mark Wahlberg is attractive to me. If I was a woman, Mark Wahlberg would be the type of guy that I would look at. And... That's part of the reason why I like Mark Wahlberg. The other part is he's from Massachusetts and likes the Celtics and the Red Sox and the Patriots. And that's what I like. And he's just been my favorite actor forever. But, and so attractiveness, it's important. People are, people watch things they're attracted to. So attractiveness. Promo ability. Can you sell me on why I need to watch your match? Right? Uh, in-ring ability. Now that you sold me to watch it, can you deliver a decent enough fucking product for me to continue to watch? You can't be a fucking dud in the ring. 
right? In-ring ability is not the most important to me, but you can't be a fucking stick and, and not know how to work. You have to know how to do the main part of the business you're in, right? And then the final part is just plain marketability. If I put you on a poster, will you sell, right? And so let me review the matchups again. These are easy. The first two matchups are easy. Charlotte versus Dana Brooke. And then Rhea Ripley versus Cameron. So the voting has started. It it started now. It will start Friday after each Friday after SmackDown. Now I started this round a little early to explain what was going on. The voting will end after SmackDown next week. Um, so that gives you a full week's time to vote. And on next Saturday's episode, the results will be presented every Saturday. At the end of each episode, every Saturday, we'll give the results. I'll give the results of the community bracket, and then I will break down my choices. I'm going to do a rating system. Each category I just explained out of 10, and I'm going to give a point value to each person, and I'll break that's essentially how I'll break it down and determine a winner. Um, and so that's that. And then the last thing I want to end is if you pay attention to, um, well, i got two more things. If you pay attention to my Queen City pro wrestling promotion that I do, first off, thank you. Second, subscribe, share, let everyone know about it. Um, I got some big things planned for that. We're, we're going to do a mixed gender challenge. I'm pretty sure we can do mixed gender matches. I'm still planning it all out. Um, a new episode will be up next Wednesday. Uh, and so watch out for that. I'll explain that a little bit more on Wednesday. And then the last thing is also only exclusive to people in the Discord. That's very important. I am planning to do a Money in the Bank watch-along for the pay-per-view next next Saturday. Um, I'll start it at 2 p.m. No one has to join. No one's required to join. Um, but it would be great to do a watch-along. I'll, I'll have a Zoom set up, uh, and uh, we'll... Put the invite link only in the Discord. I'm not going to DM it to nobody. It's going to be in the Discord for Discord members only. It's one of the perks of just being in the Discord. Um, if you're not in the Discord, you won't know the passcode to get in. Um, and so... There's that. Um, a watch along for money in the bank. That's a important event I would love it's just to get community engagement in a, in a more live setting not just typing no one's required to be on there I'll, I even say like not everyone likes to have their camera on um and so I would even say guess what cameras aren't required you don't as long if you want to talk you, you need to at least allow access to your computer your phone's mic um but just come in, have a good time, watch the pay-per-view together. Um, and so that is the plan. Um, and, uh, yeah. And so with that, uh, next week's episode, we will do predictions of Money in the Bank. 
go over the the bracket, and that's it. That's all I'm going to do for Saturday next weekend. It's going to be super easy and short because this one's a lot longer than I had anticipated, but there was a lot we covered. Um, With that, let me know your thoughts on everything we discussed. Just as always, put it in the Discord. We have our own little section now for the Slap and Meat Wrestling Podcast, so we can discuss there rather than swamping down Nerdy D's uh, section. So um, uh, I'm glad we we have that uh, figured out. I mean, this this Discord community, I just can't praise it enough. It's a great idea. Everyone in here that that interacts. Um, we got a bunch of lurkers in here, though. There's 40 people in there, <laughs> and we only have like 10 people that that talk. So. I will say I wish we had a little bit more community involvement, but for what we do have, and I'm not blaming you, not everyone's going to to post their opinion, but um, yeah, I just like the community involvement that we have here in the casual wrestling community. Um, it's we, we disagree, we fight, but we have a good time at the same time. So if you want to do that, that, that watch along, if you have any subjects you want me to talk about, any things you want to talk about from this episode go to the discord there's a section slapping meat podcast there's like a general questions and conversation tab put it there you got topics you want to talk about think you know conversations from previous episodes um and so with that thank you all for listening i'll see y'all on wednesday um, with another episode of the slapping meat wrestling podcast.